In today's episode, Emily Abrams joins me and we are diving deep into choosing locations, developing your style, different exercises that you can do to start to see what your lens is going to see, to start to see how to create the different images that you want to create um, of your subjects. And we're also going to be talking about that um, really annoying little imposter syndrome that is still really on the shoulders of almost all of us, even those of us that have been doing this for well over a decade, and how to manage that. And um, really, truly, this episode is jam-packed with so many nuggets of inspiration and tactical exercises and tips that uh, you're not going to want to miss it. You're actually going to maybe want to listen twice. So (laughs) stay tuned. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you're a pet photographer ready to make more money and start living a life by your design, you've come to the right place. And now, your host, pet photographer, travel addict, chocolate martini connoisseur, Nicole Begley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I am your host, Nicole Begley. And today, I have a very special guest from across the pond over in Germany. I have Emily Abrahams from Inspiration Photography. Um, You guys might have seen her Instagram videos because I know super popular there and they're awesome. Um, (laughs) Emily, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. This is my first podcast. I'm really excited. (laughs) Is it really? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, I'm very excited and honored. This will be super fun and I promise to take it easy on you. Thank you. Good, good. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so welcome to the podcast. One of the first things I always love to start off is just to kind of ask our guests, like what got you into pet photography? How long have you been doing this? Kind of just give us your little bit of a business kind of photography background. A little background. Um, so I, I'm from Australia originally, and five years ago I traveled over to Europe and I got a van. And there is a point to this whole back part of the story. Oh, I but- love it. No, this is great. <laughs> Go down the rabbit holes. We are not afraid oh, of rabbit holes here. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been taking photos of my dog since I was 18, and I really, always really liked it. But it was, you know, it was just for fun. And then we, ch- I traveled. I brought my border collie over with me, Loki, the black and white one that's in a lot of my photos. And we traveled all over Europe. And of course, I was taking photos the whole time. And then I sort of finished the travels and I was like, well, I didn't know what I want to do. I'm like a trained teacher. I was teaching kids back in Australia and I didn't really want to go back to teaching. So I was like, I don't know. And then I saw somebody on Facebook, an acquaintance of mine. She was like, I'm a pet photographer now. And she put up some photos and I was like... my photos are pretty good. Like if she can do, you know, and no, no shade on her, but it was just kind of a realization that this was a thing that you could do if you could, you know, take nice photos of dogs. I was like, I've been taking some really, I mean, I thought they were great. I mean, now I look back at them and I'm like, "Mm," you know, they were okay for what they were, but like I was, I felt like it was something that I could have done. And so then I sort of started looking into things. I actually signed up to hair of the dog for a while, you know, to get the whole business side of things sorted. And you know, did workshop and stuff and just started teaching myself. And yeah, so that was about, uh, it was the end of 2019. I really, you know, I did this workshop. I really found my, my style, my thing, my whole everything. And then since then I started going and just refining that and developing it. And then I had all these people asking for like editing tutorials. And I was like, well, I am a teacher. That is my thing that I do. That was what it was at the heart of like my profession beforehand. So it was then kind of quite natural to move into that area of things rather than to just 
yeah, do the the photography for clients. So the majority of what I do end up ended up being teaching rather than client shoots. Yeah. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's awesome. I love that story. It's just like <laughs> having no idea where where, where the road's going to lead. I too never in a million years thought that I would end up in where I am now. Um, I was zoological animal trainer for 13 years and thought that would be my full career. And then um, when I left, it was like, oh, I'll do photography. And this was like 2010. So pet photography was like barely a thing. Um, there were maybe like three people in Seattle <laughs> that were doing it. And um, so I was like, oh, I'll do families because obviously I need to choose a responsible niche to, you know, actually make yeah, money course. in this industry. Um, but then by like 2015, I was like, wait a minute, I can just go all pets. So yeah. Love uh, it. So, so gotta, fun. So fun. Got to go where you like your heart takes you though. I've always just been like, oh, yeah. yeah, that looks cool. I think I'll do that. You know, like, <laughs> I think I've been lucky enough that I, that I can though, that I was able to travel and that I was able to be like, well, I still have some savings. So that's cool. Uh, I'll just give this pet photography thing a go. And I, like, I recognize how kind of privileged and lucky I am that I, I, I had that kind of freedom to be able to, yeah, sort of chase those dreams and those ideas a little bit. And I, I know that not everybody has that opportunity, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Although I do believe that anybody that has the desire to, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, likely you have an interest in pet photography, <laughs> probably not like an accountant that's just like so. happening to listen to a pet photography <laughs> podcast. But um, unless you want to do pet photography on the side, I believe that anyone that has that desire definitely has the ability to do so. But, you know, the path might look a little different. So yeah, maybe it sure. is something that you have to do on the side um, and kind of like really bootstrap your business together, you know. But yeah, so I think anyone can can do it. Just depends what that journey looks like. And between both of us, you just have no idea what that journey mm-hmm. is going to look like. Mm-hmm. You just kind of keep on following these leads and following these interests. And all of a sudden you turn around, you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> and I think it is like so important to follow the things that you love creating. I know we're already off on some tangents, so that is great. Yeah, yeah I know. This is what we're going to do. Amazing. Um, but, you know, like I have one of my students in my community, she takes a lot of photos sort of of pets indoors, just kind of like chilling, but she makes them like these really fine art kind of things. And I was like, mate, this is your thing. Like you are obviously Mm -hmm. drawn to this. And she's, she's out in Arizona. It's desert. She's like, I can't find, you know, the beautiful trees and forests that you have. I'm like, yeah, but that's, you don't have to make what I'm making or like what you see people making. Like if you have a story to tell that you are drawn to, that you find beauty and the simplicity of this dog on the couch with, you know, these rich colors and stuff. They're like, do that, go after that. You know, you don't have to make what everybody else is making. And I had another student Mm -hmm. the other day who's from Arizona as well. She's like, yeah, we don't have the trees. I'm like, yeah, but you have a cool desert. Like find the beauty in your desert, right? Like we would look at that and be like, whoa, that looks so cool. And the rocks and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Arizona, but like even Australian pet (laughs) photographers, like I, I, I haven't seen many slash any Australian pet photographers who are in the outback and the red rocks and, you know, showing dogs in this like really alien landscape. And I think there's something so exciting there. And if I was home, I'd probably be like, we're going out to the outback now. But, you know, like I love the woods here and that's like a big thing for me in Europe. But like, I think you really have to find those things that like make your heart sing a little bit and and, and chase Mm -hmm. them. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. hundred percent. I love this conversation. Um, <laughs> and so much of what I've actually had this conversation with Charlotte Reeves quite a bit of how, where you live really affects maybe the development of your style. So, mm-hmm. you know, she obviously lives in Brisbane, like sunshine every freaking day, like with the ridiculous, beautiful sunset, like the most insane colors in the sky. Meanwhile, I'm like, I lived in Pittsburgh for the first, you know, 10 years of my business and, uh, it was cloudy all the mm-hmm. time. And, you know, and we did have amazing architecture though. So I was kind of like drawn to shooting in the city and those lines and those doors and all of those things. And then of course I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina now about five years ago and, it's sunny here (laughs) and we have trees like we did in Pittsburgh, but they're like thicker here or something because Uh I go around and I'm like, where the hell can I get like one line of trees to filter some beautiful backlight? Like when I do have the sun, it's Mm -hmm. either like deep, dark, like (laughs) blocks out all light, like black as your soul trees or like full sun. And I'm just like my first year down here, I'm like, Oh my God, how do I even shoot in this? Please can I have a cloudy day? Jeez. Oh man. I want my clouds back. (laughs) I'm like, who said I wanted sunshine? This is hard. (laughs) So, you know, and then I go out West, I teach workshops sometimes like in Colorado or, um, in like, uh, Tahoe and places like that and they have the most amazing forest with the absolute perfect amount of trees to give you like perfect filtered backlight without blocking out all of the light i'm just like more of this and um yeah so i think it becomes really easy for us as photographers to look online or when we travel or see other people that have these amazing locations available to them and it's like well, rah, rah, I just have <laughs> trees and I have a lake here that's awesome, but there's like one public access point that is like, meh, and private access to the lake is still not really shootable. And rah, poor me, I <laughs> wish I lived here. I wish mm-hmm. I had that. And um, yeah, we just need to stop. <laughs> yeah, like and, that's yeah. the thing. You know, people are like, how do you like find these amazing places? I'm like, I don't know. I just like drive around, look on Google Maps, look on a satellite, see what's nearby and like work with what, is there like I travel mm-hmm. a lot and you know there's rarely times where I'm like you know obviously Europe where I am is a little bit different I you know I think if I was in but I think wherever you are you can find something beautiful it's like oh, you know, saying the Arizona girls like you must have like really crazy sunsets I imagine like those big skies and big mm-hmm. you know like if I'm thinking of back in Australia is these big landscapes and you know cool rocks and stuff i don't know i haven't been there but cactuses yeah right yeah no it's amazing so yeah you know just showing them in a different way and just trying to highlight the beauty of that place in a way that you know us who are in our forests are probably going oh that's really cool i have that's completely different to where i am Mm -hmm. oh yeah 100 percent. and you know quite frankly if you're looking for clients um if you're showing all of these you know images that aren't created where your clients are Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be able to let them know of what their images are going to look like. So you do need to be able to work within your area if that yes. is what your goals are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. I love it. That was totally worth the tangent. <laughs> love it. Amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, but one of the things we did, well, actually does kind of lead into what we wanted to talk mm-hmm. about, which was, you know, telling a story with our photography and, you know, kind of what we need to look for in these locations to, to make the best kind of image. 
So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So like when I'm, if I'm out looking for locations and stuff, it's always an interesting thing that like draws me at first. And for me, like an interesting thing can be anything. I love moss, but like ferns, moss Mm. or like textures or shapes or like a curve of a branch or some flowers or I don't know, just something like we were, I did a workshop once and she was like, yeah, there's really nothing in this, this forest. And I like walked in there and there was this this branch that had fallen off of a tree and it was sort of this like blue gray kind of cyan pine needle color. And I haven't really seen this color of these pine needles before. And I was like, Oh my God, look at that. It's like, it's like blue gray. You don't see this in nature. It's really cool. And like Loki, who's always my like workshop model has these orange eyes. And I was like, Oh, cyan orange, let's go. This is going to be so cool. And we put him in there. And she was like, I would never have thought to have used just some dumb dead fallen branch for like a location. I'm like, yeah, but the color is so cool. You know, like, mm-hmm. so for me, that's, the start of it and then it's asking like okay well I found this cool little bit of moss or these ferns or something or whatever it is how can I use that to you know tell a story or to shape something that's going to make sense with this dog that I have in front of me you know like if it is some kind of foggy mossy situation and I have a golden retriever puppy there I'm probably not going to try and make something really wolfy and serious out of it and like Mm -hmm. dangerous because Mm -hmm. it's a golden retriever puppy so trying to think of these elements of how we can make them fit together to be cohesive is really important for me and it's like the location and the age of the dog and the breed of the dog and where they're looking and the expression that's on their face and how you pose them. And like, if there's some kind of like light trail in the background that can lead to their eyes and it's all like hopeful because you get them looking up into the light and it's all whimsical and mysterious. And like, ah, I just love these things of like, you know, if you're setting up your camera in the, in the location and you have your dog standing there and you like look in the camera and there's like this little light trail and you're like, yes, if I just move a little bit to the side, it's going to like flutter out from their eyes. And you can then, I can see it in the editing, how I can like darken all the outside. And, you know, like I get, you can tell I get really excited about this because I start speaking. <laughs> I love much. it. Um, but <laughs> like I get a lot of people who are like, you know, how do you edit this? Wow. That's amazing. What kind of camera do you have? You know, I saw my camera, it's like a whole bunch of different things, but it's like, I want to put as many of those pieces together in that location that I can and I'm already seeing it like I'm seeing this light coming down I'm seeing how that 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 bottom part will be dark and then my audience can't like leave my photo through the bottom part of the image or I just glance over to the side on my screen here I have a picture of my friend's little teeny tiny sheltie he's like a black and white sheltie and I put him in some ferns one time and it's like he's like this little forest creature kind of emerging from a little ferny cave and you know like just making that really dark and kind of mysterious and him like peeking up into the light there and you know like how can you use this location in a in a kind of not necessarily unique way because I think sometimes we get really caught up with trying to reinvent the wheel every time Mm -hmm. but just telling some stories that aren't like here's my dog I sat him here on this log and he's looking at the camera which is lovely and fine and clients love that but I love going a bit beyond that and and making something that's a little more magical I think with Mm -hmm. the combination of all these things Oh my gosh, I love that. And I think one of the mistakes that people make is they, like you mentioned, they think that they need to find this big epic scene or they like forget to look at these little spots. Like 
we can isolate so much of the background with a longer lens mm-hmm. and like you really just need like this little tiny itty bitty space and who cares what's going on for the rest of the area. And so I think a lot of people pass by what could be incredible spots, which is like one of my favorite things to do is to kind of take people around and be like, all right, where are we going to shoot here? Yeah. This looks like just, whatever, nothing that exciting. We actually did that. Um, I was teaching a progress lab with Heather, a business workshop here in Charlotte just last week. And we did just a fun shoot, um, because you know, you can't get pet photographers together and not go photograph some dogs. That would just be silly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we went down, we went down to the city, to this park and almost all of the students were like, I would have never picked that location, but it was really, really fun. And for me, that location is like a candy land. Cause you're like, okay, there's some fountains over here. There's some cool rocks over mm-hmm. here. There's some brick buildings over here. There's, you know, some lines for the way the bathroom is here of just like different colors on the wall. Um, just unbelievable amount of options. And it was just really fun to see them start to see those possibilities and then have people Mm -hmm. go back to what they consider as an area that has nothing exciting Mm -hmm. and be like, Oh, wait, I can shoot here. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And like, that's it for me. It's like, if there's one interesting thing and if Mm -hmm. I can kind of build something around that, then I have that starting point. As as long as it kind of makes sense, you know, I think sometimes I start talking about an interesting thing and then I, I see like from my students, they'll like sit their dog next to like this bushy purple flower weed thing. And they'll just be like one little purpley flower weed and then the dog and then like nothing. And I'm like, right. I can see what you're doing. I can see the interesting thing here, but it feels a little bit like we've plonked a dog next to a purple weed thing. Like, can we like get in close? Can we make like put their head down next to it so it's just the and it feels like it's a bigger scene? I don't know. Are there more purple flower weed things and we can put them in a field of them? Is there any way we can make this all kind of tie in a little bit more cohesively than just like here we have a dog and here we have a purple flower? Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, I love I love finding just yeah, like an interesting thing. And and yeah, I actually did uh there's a lesson in my um membership where I went just around the suburbs where I live here in Germany and found like you were saying just like locations that you wouldn't expect there was one that was by a busy kind of road buses going past it was like on an electrical box and it was this sort of bushy bush with white flowers on it and I shoved Loki in there it was like rubbish all over the ground I'm like get in there Lokes and like the flowers were kind of around his head a little bit and he just like peered out and it's and you can actually see I think I put the behind the scenes of that on my Instagram but it is literally just the side of a road and a bush but it we Uh could be in the woods we could be in some Mm -hmm. like magical flowery place and there's another one of journey um next to a tree and there's all these like they're just green weeds and it's just a green tree but I like that it had some like ivy going around it I was like oh I love ivy ivy's magical too so I'm like stand next to this tree journey and there's all this like greenery at the bottom and there's like a fence to an apartment building Building just sort of just off the, the photo and then there's an apartment building that you can't see because of the lens 
And it feels like we're in the middle of the woods, but it was like Mm -hmm. just this one little patch of greenery, like nothing, apartment fence, apartment building. But, you know, if you can start seeing that in a way like, oh, look at this cool ivy or, oh, look at this cool bush or, oh, look at the light, the way the light's shining through this this bush in the background. Like let's put, put, put him in there and have this, you know, framing him. And, yeah, it's really amazing what you can do with a long lens and something interesting and thinking about how you can make that feel like something other than just a purple yeah. flowery weedy thing, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, one of my favorite um, kind of homework uh, things to have students do is to actually just take, like, if they don't want to drag their dog around or they don't have a dog or their dog's maybe not the best model, <laughs> like, just grab a little stuffed animal yes. or your yes, camera yes, yes. bag and just walk around mm-hmm. and set up shots and you will start to see things so much differently and start to see these little pockets of beauty or little Mm -hmm. pockets of light uh, without having to worry about managing a dog and getting expression because I mean, you know, there's so many things that go into that final, that final image that if you could nail down managing your camera on manual and like Mm -hmm. switching all around for all of these shots, depending Mm -hmm. on the lighting, seeing what's in the scene, setting up the right lens choice to create that composition that you are imagining in your head. And then once that becomes second nature, it becomes really easy to then just be able to focus on the dog. Yes. Yeah. Agree. hundred percent. I actually just said that to a student of mine who did a workshop with me. Uh, he was like, I was really amazed that you would like, look at the background with your like eyes. You could see, oh, there's going to be light here and this will be like a curve here. I'm like, well, yeah. Okay. So grab your camera. Just take your dog for a walk, but don't pose them. Focus on something mm-hmm. sort of in the middle foreground so you've got the same kind of depth of field. Imagine first what that background's going to look like. Try and like picture it in your mind's eye mm-hmm. how it's going to look through the lens and then bring up your camera and be like, oh, okay, that's really interesting. That bit of bokeh from the sky is actually too high for my lens and that's getting completely chopped out. Huh, didn't know that. And like the more that you can kind of – kind of preemptively try and imagine in your mind's eye how that mm-hmm. background, that scene is going to look before you look through the camera, the more you're kind of training your eye to be able to see that before you get your camera essentially. But I think it's like such a skill that you have to practice. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just have to mm-hmm. do it again and again. And you start getting more sensitive to seeing those light and dark kind of tones and those shapes in the background and how the foreground can kind of, you know, there can be a little bush and make a little bit of mm-hmm. depth there, a little bit of blur or something. And, you know, you start to really understand like some people, a lot of people ask me like, how far away do you have to stand with your 135 millimeter? I'm like, I don't know. I just get there and I go where it feels like I need to be because you right. get so used to using, I mean, if you've got like a 70, 200, it's a bit different because you're zooming, but you know, you, you still can get a feel for like, okay, this is going to be the closest I'm going to be able to be. This is the furthest I'm going to be able to be. And, you know, you, the more you kind of do it, the more you start to feel that without having to think about it so mm-hmm. much, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, with the 70 to 200, I'm a 200 or die kind of girl. So <laughs> <laughs> like shoot at 70, no way. Unless yeah. I'm doing action and the dog started to get a little bit close. Then, okay. maybe <laughs> It'll zoom out then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. But uh, truly what you were mentioning about being able to picture that I, it mm. is a hundred percent accurate. And it takes practice because when you start shooting with different lenses, obviously that's going to render that background differently. Mm-hmm. I know that took me a while. Um, if I had to choose two lenses for like the rest of my life, um, I would probably have my 7200 and then my um, 24, 1.4. Mm-hmm. And like 
total ends of the spectrum. But I remember when I was starting and playing around with that little bit more of a wide angle, it captures a lot of the background, you know? So you're like, (laughs) oh man, that's a lot of sky. Oh (laughs) man, that's a lot of everything. Oh, And then you go to 200 and you're like, oh, I can make everything disappear. And then of course, everything in the middle is, is different as well. So yeah, just takes practice with each different kind of lens. For sure. And I think like when you go back to the other one, it's almost like starting again. Like I kind of go through phases. I'm really on my 135 at the moment. That's the one that's on my camera all the time. It really doesn't come off. Love it so much. And then I'll be like, I feel like the 85 today and I'll put it on and I feel kind of awkward with it at Uh first to be like, oh, nope, I am too far away. Or, oh boy, that background is a lot more busy than it normally is. Like, and it's not even that busy Mm because it's an 85 and it's not like, you know, it's not like a 24. It's just, it's just different. It feels different. And I'm I'm usually like, "Mm, no, I think we're going back to the 135 now. I think we're changing. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually did this with my 50. I had a love hate relationship with my 50. Actually, it was just a relationship in which I completely ignored it because every time I would try to use it, I'd be like, eh, that's me and my 35. I'm like, you are good for indoor product photos only. And that is it made me a landscape because you're the widest thing I got. But no, you're staying in my bag and I don't like you. We just don't get along. I only have it for product photos now. Like it's so funny. Well, when I was at, um, when I was in Spain in the fall, Charlotte and Kaylee and all these other students kept on showing photos with their 50. I'm like, I love that image. I'm like, what the hell? Why can I not shoot with my 50? So I made it a point in one session. I'm like, I'm only shooting with my 50. And lo and behold, I figured it out. Uh-huh. And I actually created some beautiful images that I love. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I need to use this lens more often now. I think that you do have to sometimes do that and just put it on there for a whole session and force yourself. Uh-huh. I actually tried the same thing with the 50 once. We are in the Black Forest. I was like, right, I'm going to try this. I want to do like a little bit more like documentary style. There's this Russian photographer, Ksuska, I think her Instagram is. She does, I haven't seen anything like what she does. And I really love it. And it, she like really catches like the spirit of an adventure with a person in their dog in a town and they're like feeding chips to the dog I don't know like it's just like these little moments and I really love it um and I was like I kind of want to try this because you know I I like trying different things and I was like right I think a 50 would be great for this because you know it's like what we see it's gonna be great but I have to just use it for a day so I was using it using it and then we got to this one spot where there was like a tunnel of trees some light broker behind (laughs) you know where this is going and I was like (laughs) this is so pretty and I was like with the 50 I was like yeah, but consider this. (laughs) (laughs) And did I not switch to the 135? Indeed I did. And then it stayed on for the whole. And then I like, there was this mosky place and this backlight that was really cool. And the 50 didn't come back on. But yeah, I do think you have to like force yourself to be like, we're doing this today. We're using this one lens and I'm just going to get used to it until it like feels a bit easier for me. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a great creativity exercise to do regardless, Mm -hmm. just to cause you to look at things differently, you know, and obviously if it's a client shoot and you're used to usually creating like these big, like, you know, with your 200 or your 135, Mm -hmm. like shallow depth of field, you know, obviously you're not going to be like, I'm going to shoot this whole session with a 35. I'm experimenting today. That's maybe not the time. Yeah. Maybe not the time. (laughs) Maybe you do get a monocall or grab your dog or grab a friend's dog and just go out and be like, Hey, I'm just want to shoot with a 35. I'm going to force myself to, to create something with this. And 
it just causes your brain to start to look for different opportunities because we can get in a rut um, of just, ah, this is exactly what I look for. This is what I create. And yeah, that's great for consistency, but Mm -hmm. are you really then still pushing yourself creatively? That's sort of like one thing that I talk with my members about a little bit is like the difference between creating for yourself and creating for clients. And this kind of comes back to like what we mentioned before about like needing to find these epic locations all the time. And, you know, I'll have people say like, how do you keep finding these, these places? And okay, yeah, I travel a lot, but if I was doing client shoots, I wouldn't be looking for a new location every single time that I had a client. I'd take them back to my old faithful Mm -hmm. tried and true. I know this stump. I know this log. I know this fern. I know this moss here, 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 here. And we're going, and you know, we do the nice safe poses and we sit them here. We stand them here. They look forward. They look to the side where we can, (laughs) I mean, I obviously don't want to stifle creativity with client shoots, but I feel like, especially as creatives, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves a to create something beautiful but b that like i said before like that we have to reinvent the wheel every time and i don't Mm -hmm. think that we do with clients and of course if something cool comes up and you're like wow there's Mm -hmm. this new patch of wildflowers here let's try this thing i don't think they're gonna say no but like they're hiring you for your style and what they've seen you create and the dog on the log that they've seen you create before or whatever it happens to be that's your kind of thing. They're not going to be upset if they get the similar photos to what they've been seeing you create before. You don't have to go to a new location every time. You don't have to try a new pose every time. Whereas like for yourself, like that's where for me, it's like, you know, I have so many photos of my dogs now, so many photos that I really do need something a little bit different and a little bit interesting and a little bit more epic for me to be like, oh my God, yep, we're doing a whole thing today. Like there's fog and sun rays, like boom, right? We're getting, we're getting the camera out and we're going to take these photos, but I can't expect that every time with clients mm-hmm. and that's fine. Like they don't need fog and like if it happens, amazing, yeah. great for them. Holy crap. How lucky are you today that this happened? But if not, then that is okay. Like it's okay to be simple with them. And if you want to experiment or if you want to go more epic, or if you want to explore further afield, then those photos can be for you. And if they don't turn out quote unquote perfect, or if you know they don't work out, or if you try and be really ambitious and you're like, Hey, I'm in this really deep, dark forest and there's back light and it's shining through. It's going to be so cool, but then there's not enough ambient light and you have to underexpose mm-hmm. like crazy. And the dog is so dark that when you brighten him up, it's like a mess. And you're like, oh no, there's nothing lost. It's just, and I know this is one of your favorite sayings. You either win or you learn, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's like that. It's like, okay, well, obviously that didn't work for these reasons. So cool. If I have a client shoot and I'm in this situation, I know that maybe I can't go quite as deep into the deep dark woods for these backlit photos because I learned that from when I was doing it for myself as a bit of an experiment and mm-hmm. trying something a bit more epic and trying this kind of crazy glowing backlight or whatever, but you don't have to do that with clients necessarily. Hopefully that'll make yes. sense. Yeah, hundred percent really did. Um, yeah. And when you start shooting for yourself too, with that personal work and you can really just experiment 
So much. And that I think is where people start to really dial in, you know, what their style is going to be oh, and yeah, what makes sure. them unique and can differentiate them from the sea of pet photographers that is becoming because it is only going to get more competitive and more saturated in our markets as more people get into the industry as like the AI editing makes it easier mm-hmm. for people to remove leashes and do these things. Um like we need to keep kind of raising the bar of what we offer in terms of service, in terms of products, in terms of craft. Um, And so I think it's going to be more important than ever to really continue to work on that personal work so that you can just create something super unique that other people aren't or can't or aren't willing to put in the work to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And just, yeah, like really being aware of, again, those things that make your heart sing because your passion Mm -hmm. and your love for what you're creating is going to come through in that. And I think Mm -hmm. people can feel that it's like, this is not Mm -hmm. just another, not just another nice pet photo. It's like, there is something special about this that, that I want on my walls, or I want that for myself as well. And that's, what's going to make them want to book you for that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So many people that I've interviewed of like, you know, the, the top in the field, the most in-demand pet photographers, the one underlying theme is that they are being true to their artistic self and really creating work that they love in a way that they love on products that they love. And I think so many times people are scared to just double down on what they love because they see what other people are doing that they think are successful or they are labeling as Mm -hmm. successful and they feel like, well, I need to create the same work as photographer A because obviously that's what the market wants. Market wants what you love because there will be people in the market that love what you want and maybe don't like photographer A's work as much as what you create. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I think like if you try and if you try and create something that is inauthentic or if you try and spread yourself too thin, like, okay, I'm going to do like beautiful backlit pet like portraits, but also I'm going to do like this action photo, but also I'm going to do like those kind of like wide angle with the flash and the thing. Like people then don't know what you are doing Mm -hmm. necessarily. They're like, mm-hmm. well, but am I going to get this wide angle thing that I don't particularly like, or am I going to get the thing in the forest that I don't, you know? So yeah. I, and I, I found this on, on, on social media a lot that the more kind of like authentically yourself you can be like, whether it's in your photos or whether it's showing up on social media, the more people respond to that because mm-hmm. they'll either like you or they won't. And if they don't, they'll go somewhere else and you can't, you can't convince everybody. They were you never going to book you anyway if they <laughs> exactly. don't like you. Like it's sooner or later, they're going to figure out that they don't mesh with you and they would have never actually booked you. <laughs> yeah. Or even just yeah. your style. Like you can't create uh-huh. everything that everybody will like. It's just not possible. Mm-hmm. So you might as well create what you like and the rest of them can go somewhere else and who cares? Like they aren't mm-hmm. your people. Like the I get, I get this a lot with, with my members and stuff. They're like, you know, I don't know, I don't know when to stop editing or, you know, I don't know when it's, I just want my photos to be perfect or whatever. And I, I agonize over them before posting them. And I I spend two hours just going back and forth on edits. I'm like, at some point you have to just do your edit, hit save, go to sleep, come back the next morning, have a look at it, go, it's great. And just post it, you know, like Mm -hmm. you could go back and forth for two hours and, and it will be as good or as bad as it was two hours ago. And you're the only one who knows that. And you're the only one who's going to see that. And and they're just, for me, like 
the day that I was like, do you know what? Just save it and post it. I mean, I usually don't post immediately things on social media. I do like to give it a night just because sometimes yeah, yeah, I do right. come back and I'm like, wow, that is a lot more green than I remember yes, it being exactly. last night. <laughs> like, hmm, let's just desaturate that a little bit more and then it's done. But I don't like uh-huh. reopen and start from scratch because I just don't think that that's worthwhile because we tend to be our harshest critics and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that like back and forth comes from trying to make a photo that everybody is going to love and at the end of the Mm -hmm. day if you should be the only one who who loves it and if you're like you know what I think this is pretty good good done that's it we can we can save it we can move on we're happy with it come back to it tomorrow if you need to but like I just don't think that there's a point trying to edit something to oblivion to try and make it something that everybody in the universe is going to like, because it's not going to happen. I don't think there's any photo anywhere that everybody in the universe is going to like. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And along those lines too, to really, as you start to figure out, and it takes time. Cause I, I hear a lot of people say too, like, I've been trying to figure out what my style is for three years. I don't, don't know. And like, it took me a good seven or eight years before I was like, Oh, wait, I do have a style. <laughs> That's the thing though. And, I feel like so many people have it. They just don't know it yet. And they're like, mm-hmm. they're chasing other styles. Like, well, maybe if I do a bit more haze in the, maybe if I do like the greens mm-hmm. like this, maybe if I, and it, and for me, it was like, if I just, cause I did this workshop and, you know, we got very desaturated and everything was very like whatever. And it was lovely. Love it. But I was like, I felt something was missing in my photography because I was like, I like colors and I Mm -hmm. missed colors when I was editing in this way that I'd kind of learned at this workshop and that I'd really taken on board. And I was like, this is the way we're going to edit now. And then I was like, I like color. I miss colors. And so then I started just being like, well, what else do I like? I like a bit of drama. I'm going to put some drama in my editing. You know, let's darken the, the edges a bit more. What else do I like? Oh, I like it when it's got like a little bit of light coming in from here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the more I was kind of asking myself, like my style you can see like a lot of my style from like way back before I even was thinking about pet photography as a thing. Cause it was already stuff that I like. And, yeah. and that's the thing like that I say to like my students, it's like, your style is probably already there. You just like, see, look at what you like, look at what you don't like, look at the photographers you like and what you don't like. And what are the, the common elements that are t- kind of tying everything together and then create in a way that you like and the elements that you like if you don't like flashy colors and you like it to be a little bit more subdued and mellow then cool that's probably part of your style you know like if you like like super strong contrast you like strong blacks and you know this around you know a lot of like you know if I'm thinking about Alicia from Poland or Uh some of her recent stuff was really like she had a cave one that I saw was like blacks around the edge and for me I'm like wow that is a lot of black but it looks really cool and, you yeah. know, so that might be the, the style if you're like, yeah, I like it when it's like boom, blacks and strongness. And, you know, if you're like, I really find that's cool, then that's probably part of your style too. And I think if you start to recognize these things, you're like, wow, I love, rather than just being like, oh my God, I love this edit. And then like right. not being able to kind of see what it is, like what parts of that edit or that photo, mm-hmm. is it the light? Is it the way the dog's looking up into the light? Is it the way, you know, there's a, is it warm? Is it cool? Is it? contrasty is it matte you know there's some photographers that Mm -hmm. do like these really matte kind of filmy sort of backgrounds is it you know I don't know is it is it pale bokeh in the background is it golden hour like there's so much that goes into it that if you can start kind of picking it apart and being like that's what I really like Mm -hmm. that's going to be 
your style. And, and I think as well, one thing that, I mean, I, I had never been like searching for my style. Um, and I, I, I hear this a lot. Like, I just can't find my style. Like you were saying, people like, I've been looking for my style for years. I'm like, it's not a unicorn. We can't find it. It's just like a, a process. It's a thing that, yeah. Yeah. Like it's a thing that we repeat and it's a, it's just a, it's, it's, it's just a stylistic decision, I guess. But like, people were saying to me, like, oh, I love your style. I'm like, I have a style. <laughs> and then I was looking at my photos. I was like, oh, yeah, I see it. It's like, and now I call it fantastical reality because I like, like, it to be realistic feeling, but, like, a bit extra, you know, like, yeah, I want the right. light to be natural. I like there, you to look at it and go, wow, that is like nature, but magical, I guess, is, like, mm-hmm. where we kind of go. So, you know, like, if you look at your photos and you see what's being repeated often that is probably already the style coming through and then it's just like refining that to be repeatable and to like be stronger and more of your voice I guess Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have two thoughts on this. Number one, once you start to figure out your style and like what those repeating kind of factors are that, that you love that are kind of the underlying currents in your images you want to curate that style. So when you're choosing mm-hmm. to put things on your social media or in your portfolio, so the clients know what they're going to get, like get really harsh. Like there's been some beautiful images that I love that will never be part of my portfolio because it doesn't actually fit my aesthetic. Um, but it, do- it doesn't mean you can't ever shoot anything else. It just means that you want to be fairly cognizant of what it is you're putting out together to make sure that your what you're creating looks cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, but backing up a little bit to figuring out what those cohesive pieces are. Um, Number one, the key to creating something unique for yourself is to learn so many of these different processes and pick and choose. So Mm -hmm. I am a huge believer that like your style is not this one photographer. (laughs) Like if your (laughs) style is everything that one photographer does, that is not a style that is straight copying. Mm -hmm. What your style is, is, oh my gosh, I love this photographer's use of their composition. I love this photographer's use of editing. I love this photographer's use of color. I love this photographer's location. And you're starting to pull these different pieces together and you're mixing it up to create something really unique. And I think it can be hard to figure out what those are looking at pet photographers because we are pretty biased with the subjects. So mm-hmm. we are going to like more things that we see of pet photographers than we would if we looked at other genres. So if you force yourself to instead be like, let's look at wedding photographers or baby photographers mm-hmm. or family photographers or commercial photographers, real estate photographers, whatever, pick any other genre other than pets, then the types of styles that you see will jump out at you more because you don't have the subject bias of like, but that's a really cute puppy and it's my favorite breed. So of course I love that photo. (laughs) And also potentially like, you know, I also feel like there's a bias and you know, this is probably in any industry anywhere, but I also feel like there's potentially a bias, um, toward the the names quote unquote in pet photography Mm -hmm. like yes you know these big names and Mm -hmm. you're immediately expecting to already like their stuff and you probably do because they're amazing like great yeah right but you in some ways can't see past that then to look at it more objectively I think Mm mm-hmm yeah. And I think that that bias that you're mentioning also comes with a, like a subconscious belief that, well, they've made it. So this is what I need to do. Yes. So obviously 100%. this is what sells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh my 100%. gosh. <laughs> so 
Good. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk real quick before we wrap up about the process of developing your art and your craft and this feeling of, you know, creating these perfect images. And I mean, I don't know about you, but <laughs> spoiler alert, every time I leave a session, I don't think ever once have I left a session and be like, I captured every single thing Nailed I it. wanted to exactly Nailed how it. I wanted to. And I didn't <laughs> forget to do anything. And there's nothing else I could have possibly done. that. <laughs> like never. I do, I do you know what? I'm thinking about one of my recent client shoots and I took like 1100 photos and I'm pretty, and like we shot from the beginning of golden hour till like pretty much dark. And I am pretty sure uh-huh. I walked away from that one going, do you know what? I'm pretty confident. I got a few good ones. Like, you know, <laughs> I got at least like 10. But I'll tell you what, like before that, before that shoot, uh, you know, and this is because I don't do a heap of client photos. So I don't have that constant practice of, of doing client shoots. I'm mostly shooting my two dogs. So it's a lot easier, but I, that night before was, and I am not generally like a super anxious person. I have ADHD, but I, I don't have a heap of anxiety about stuff. But that night I really had trouble going to sleep because I was like, what if I'm a fraud? What if I <laughs> right. What if I don't know how to take photos? Like what if I've just been making it up this whole time and I was like stop it, Em, you have a whole bloody business about pet photography. You've got a whole portfolio, you've got a whole social media channel about photos. Like I'm pretty sure you know how to take a photo. I'm like, yeah, but what if I've been faking it this whole time? What if I can't do with these dogs at this location? What if the light's totally different tomorrow? Like, I don't know, like the sun's gone. <laughs> well, actually that was the interesting thing because we hadn't really found a location. I was sort of like, well, this one's okay. And then we sort of tried it there and I was like, eh. and then she's like, oh, I've got this one other idea. I was like, all right, let's go. We're going to try it. So it was like going in blind, which is always oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. great fun. If you want a challenge, just go in to a location blind you know <laughs> so great but yeah like it was really just like these anxiety dreams what if what if you don't know how to take photos you know? oh my god <laughs> oh, I think we've all been there <laughs> like last week <laughs> all right we're back sorry everybody we had a little technical challenge and all of a sudden it stopped recording so we were just um wrapping up talking about uh just showing up at a location blind and how stressful it is and how even emily and i (laughs) for a long time um still feel like imposters on the regular so you are not alone (laughs) oh my god imposter syndrome is real (laughs) oh yeah and it doesn't matter if it's your first day Mm -hmm. or your like it's still there because all of a sudden you're just going to forget how to do all of the things and your clients are going to realize like, wait, what, why am I paying you? You, (laughs) What the hell you're doing? (laughs) But I do, but I don't, I don't know. I'm sure I know how to take photos of dogs. I swear. I thought I did. (laughs) Well, maybe not today. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, anyway, um, this has been so good. Such a good conversation. I mean, we had a lot of rabbit holes, but they were all really important. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we went all over the place. Like we had two topics, and I think we kind of covered them more or less. But it was like it was like everywhere else at the same time. So I hope everybody listening a found it entertaining, but also like that there were some interesting tidbits in there. 
Hopefully. Oh, there were. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Been so good. So if people want to um, follow up with you, Emily, where can they find you online? Uh, I'm on pretty much all the socials. So I guess my biggest ones are Instagram. So just inspiration photography there, TikTok as well. Facebook, I'm not really that active on, but I'm there if you just want to come and stalk me. Um, yeah. Otherwise, like I've got my online membership that's open once every six months or so where I have like huge library of resources and everything and editing tutorials and whatever. So if you want to learn some stuff, come and get in contact with me because I love teaching people all this yeah, that's photography awesome. stuff. Fantastic. And you are actually going to be a guest instructor at the Hair of the Dog Academy talking about um, sharing one of your edits with us, which again, remember guys, we're not just copying editing. We are going (laughs) to learn all these amazing techniques and then you can pick and choose all these things to make yourself like make your own incredible style, which is truly the secret to really attracting your people that love you and will pay anything for your work. Yeah. And I really like talking about like why I'm doing what I'm doing so that you can take it or leave it or apply it to your photo or, you know, be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's sensible. Why we're darkening this part of the photo or whatever, you know, like, so it's not just like, and now we press this button and now we put in these (laughs) settings and now we, you know, because if you don't have a rationale behind what you're doing, then, you know, you're just editing all over the place, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point for sure. Um, anyway, this has been fantastic. Um, loved our conversation. Thank you so much for being part of this and, um, everyone definitely let Emily know if you found this, um, conversation. Great. Let her know on social media as well. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was at Nicole Bagley official. Um, and in the meantime, I'll see you guys next week. And Emily, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Nicole. It was awesome. (laughs) Yay. I had a great time. Thank you. See you you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Hair of the Dog podcast. This was episode number 199. If you want to check out the show notes for access to any of the resources that we mentioned, simply go to www.hairofthedogacademy.com slash 199. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hair of the Dog podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. One last thing. If you are ready to dive into more resources, head over to our website at www.hairofthedogacademy.com. Thanks for being a part of this pet photography community.